From the newsrooms of the City Morning Herald and The Age, this is The Morning Edition. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Wednesday, February 14th. When photographs and a video of politician Barnaby Joyce lying on a footpath late at night, seemingly incapacitated, went viral last week, it triggered a series of political explosions. Almost immediately, politicians started lobbing accusations that the shadow minister for veteran affairs was undermining his party and embarrassing the nation, even bringing the culture of parliament into disrepute. Today, National Affairs Editor James Masola on the political manoeuvring currently going on behind the scenes in Canberra, which could determine whether this incident spells the end of Barnaby Joyce's long career and the history of questionable behaviour by our politicians. So, James, there's been a lot of speculation in the media this week about Barnaby Joyce after photographs of Joyce lying on his back in the middle of a Canberra footpath late at night went viral. So what do we know about what happened to the politician last week? Look, it's a little unclear. Uh, What we know so far, Sam, is that Barnaby Joyce was out last Wednesday night. He has said that he went to a couple of events. Um, I mean, that's a very regular feature of what happens in Parliament House when when it's sitting, that all sorts of you know lobby groups that have functions and what have you. From there, he sort of headed to the inner north of Canberra, a suburb called Braddon, and he was filmed by a passerby, essentially lying on his back on the ground, talking on the phone. He was heard swearing. He since said he was talking to his wife Vicky, he was talking about himself when he was swearing, and that he's sort of been sitting on a planter box and he'd had a bit too much to drink. Oh, look, I'm uh, obviously uh, you know. I'm- I made a big mistake. Uh, There's no excuse for it. There's a reason. And, um, you know, this is a very eventful walk home, wasn't it? So anyway, that's... uh, And um, that eventually he... How did he put it? Like a a kindly Indian taxi driver gave him a lift home. Beyond that, uh, in terms of, you know, how much did he drink and what have you, we don't know. Crucially, also, he said he made the mistake of mixing alcohol with medication. I'm on a prescription uh, drug and they say certain things may happen to you if you drink and they were absolutely 100% right, they did. Okay, now before we get into how this has all sort of exploded, I guess, in political circles, can you briefly tell me a bit about Barnaby Joyce? Because he's got a colourful history of behaviour that has been at times called into question. Yeah, look, colourful is a word often attached to Barnaby Joyce. So if you go way back to 2005, he was elected to the Queensland Senate spot, the fourth spot that no one thought that they could win. At that early stage of his career, he was a real thorn in the side of the Howard government, crossing the floor regularly over things like voluntary student union, threatening to block the partial sale of Telstra. He had a meteoric rise up to shadow finance minister for Tony Abbott, then got his billions and trillions confused in his speech and was warning about $100 lamb roasts because of the carbon price and all these sorts of things. With people saying, gee, I really want a carbon tax. I can't wait till you bang a new tax on me. I can't wait till I'm poorer and I'm the Australian Taxation Office is collecting revenue from me. I can't wait till you set up a so system. So he kind of a provoked or, or rather um, attracted a lot of criticism from political opponents for hyperbolic claims. But at the same time, he was always seen as a very good retail politician. He switched back to his home state of New South Wales and to the lower house in 2013. He ended up being deputy PM 
twice, once under Malcolm Turnbull and once under Scott Morrison. All through those years was a, an at times controversial figure for everything from, you know, kicking Amber Heard, Johnny Depp and their dogs out of the country for violating quarantine laws. Mr Depp has to either take his dogs back to California or we're going to have to euthanise them. It's time that Pistol and Boo buggered off back to the United States. To more serious things like having an extramarital affair with a former staffer who's now his wife, a lady named Vicky Campion, who's a former journalist. There were other claims of inappropriate behaviour around that time. This is back in 2018. It triggered the bonk ban put in place, so-called bonk ban, saying, you know, essentially um, staff and politicians shouldn't you know, be couples, essentially, particularly if they're working in the same office. The bonk ban was never a bonk ban, it was a Barnaby ban. He's been instrumental, essentially, in bringing the coalition, over more than a decade, away from support for climate action and more into the camp, if you like, of climate change scepticism. I used to say it was a climate change religion because they call us deniers and you don't believe, but it's not a religion because even religions are challenged. This is a climate change cult. It's cultish-type behaviour, where it's unquestioned... That's, I guess, just some of the backstory. I mean, I've barely touched the surface, Sam. There's, Barnaby has a colourful history. I mean, a real history there. I mean, I think we're reminded of it most, I guess, colourfully last week during the ABC's latest documentary about the Malcolm Turnbull, Tony Abbott, Scott Morrison years of being prime ministers. And there was that infamous footage of Malcolm Turnbull giving a press conference, a TV conference, in which he said that Barnaby Joyce had, with his extramarital affair, had a shocking air of judgment and had, quote unquote, appalled all of us. Barnaby made a shocking error of judgment in having an affair with a young woman working in his office. Yeah, look, I I remember that press conference very well. A world of woe for those women and appalled all of us. I think Turnbull said that on reflection, maybe he went a little bit too far. Barnaby Joyce was furious about it. But he was, and this comes out in Nemesis as well and in other reporting at the time, he wasn't a particular fan of Scott Morrison's either. I remember... In the late days of the Morrison government, um, someone leaked me a copy of some text messages that Joyce had sent to Brittany Higgins saying that, you know, Scott Morrison's a liar and all this sort of stuff. Like they were not, even though they were deputy PM and PM for a period together, they were not allies. Like he, he, he is a person who takes no prisoners. He and his supporters in the National Party are not huge supporters of David Littleproud, the current National Party leader as well. Well, which brings me to the obvious question, which is how have the Nationals responded to this incident? Look, I'd say it's they're pretty broadly split into two groups, just like the Nationals party room. Um, there's a sort of hardcore of support for Little Proud, the current leader, uh, who's, you know, say this has embarrassed the party. Nationals frontbencher. And Webster said in the Nationals uh, party room meeting yesterday that this has hurt us once again, particularly with female voters because of this perception that we're a bit out of touch, that we're dinosaurs, you know, those sorts of things. Joyce supporters are more, unsurprisingly, circled the wagons and said, look, he's got an illness, um, you know, he made a mistake, he didn't hurt anyone, he didn't break any laws, he didn't abuse anyone, those sorts of things. Um, he's he's embarrassed, he's sorry, and he certainly looked shamefaced when he turned up late to Parliament yesterday. So, you know, give it, cut, cut Barnaby some slack, give him some time. Privately, what they are also saying, uh, you know, politicians from those sort of pro and anti-Barnaby camps, if you like, is that this 
probably cruels any chance he has of ever returning to the leadership of the party. I mean, that is incredibly serious. And what about what are we hearing from the Liberals? They're being <laughs> uh, politely scathing, I guess, is the best way to put it, Sam. We, we haven't seen too many senior Liberals pop their heads up and criticise him. In fact, I can't really think of anyone who's come out and given him a whack. Privately, there's that kind of, oh, there's Barnaby doing it again. He's caused a headache for us again. I mean, there's a very keen awareness, particularly amongst moderate liberals, that this is a guy who cost them votes the last election in inner city seats because of his stance on climate change. So I would say there's a decent sized cohort in the Liberal Party who already don't regard him as a friend, asset or ally. And so for them, it's sort of a a moment of, you know, how much longer do we have to put up with this guy causing headaches for us in urban seats, if you like. But, you know, it's important to say as well that Barnaby does have, you know, friends in the Liberal Party who are sympathetic to him. But publicly, there's not been a lot of commentary beyond the kind of Barnaby's got a health issue, he needs to deal with it. You know, we shouldn't sort of condemn him too much. And what about the government? How have they responded? Has the government weaponized this? Senior ministers from the PM down have been very circumspect in what they've said, much like the Liberal Party, in terms of he, he needs help. This is obviously not appropriate behaviour for a senior poli- or any politician. But maybe there's a bit of an element of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Sam, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but people have chosen their words very carefully. Although it was notable yesterday that Tanya Lawrence, who's a WAMP, a, a backbencher from Perth, said that this behaviour reflected poorly on all politicians and and, and sort of damaged the reputation or, if you like, confirmed people's suspicions that, you know, politicians are no good and, and, you know, what do they do in that big house in Canberra and those sorts of things. I think she's probably right about that too. I mean, she was pretty scathing, wasn't she? She sort of referred to it as maybe being a sackable offence, saying there isn't a single member here in Parliament who is irreplaceable. And so tell us what we've actually heard from Barnaby Joyce himself. You mentioned that he had appeared earlier this week. I think he walked into question time halfway through. He was, you know, looked a bit sheepish. So what have we heard from him? Look, he's been very circumspect. It's interesting. I went back to his autobiography, Weatherboard and Iron Sam, um, and had a, a bit of a read through a couple of the chapters towards the back. One of them's called Half Crazed Dog, and he talks about the loneliness of being in Canberra and the loneliness that besets him at times and how he would have periods where he would barely sleep at night. And this is when he's holding senior, you know, some of the most senior ministerial offices in the land. And he'd go for sort of midnight walks um, just down the road from here in Parliament House at Red Hill. And he talks a bit as well about the dangers of alcohol and how you can fall into patterns here and all those sorts of things. He doesn't say specifically, I've got this mental illness or I've got that mental illness. But he does, I guess, heavily allude to the fact that he has, I guess you'd say, some demons and he's had them for a long time. We'll be right back. Now, James, I want to turn to what might be the broader consequences of this entire episode, because this comes after there's been quite a bit of scrutiny within Parliament House about the standards of behaviour. So I guess I wanted to ask you, are the standards of behaviour that we have for our parliamentarians too low. And tell me about our parliamentary code of conduct, because many listeners might be surprised to hear, as I was, that we've actually only recently adopted one. Yeah, look, that's right. I definitely think that 
things are starting to improve. Labor, uh, you know, when they came to power, said, right, okay, no more fundraising functions um, in the building. I think that's a good thing. Budget night in particular was a big night where you'd have three or four or five massive functions, big fundraisers for political parties, but also opportunities for politicians perhaps to have a bit too much to drink. So that, you know, there's a a double dividend there, if you like, in terms of encouraging a bit of uh, better behavior. I don't think we're there yet. You know, taking it out of the building potentially just pushes the problem out of sight, as we've seen with Barnaby. Uh, But there are some things happening. Now, in in terms of the code of conduct, um, that was adopted in February last year. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that, you know, as you touched on, that might be surprising to some people that there wasn't something. Um, In an HR sense, this building has been a bit of a black hole because each politician is the employer of his or her staff. And there's not been a sort of centralised HR department to say, well, look, you know, I'm being underpaid or I've been sexually harassed or there, there are, there have been outlets, there have been mechanisms, but what the Jenkins review, which obviously was ordered by former PM Scott Morrison after the Higgins allegations, what that has done is begun the process of constructing an HR department and it's led to this code of conduct. And the, you know, requirements are not, you know, particularly onerous. It's what you'd see in any private company, you know, you know, the drinking of alcohol at work, the use of drugs. It's just formalising those pretty sensible things. In a practical sense, you know, what that means is that, for example, a function in the Great Hall, which, you know, seats about 600 people here, you don't see, you know, half a dozen bottles sat on every table anymore. There are waiters that come round. There's lots of different other, you know, soft drinks and waters and what have you that are offered. Again, it's pretty common sense stuff, but there hasn't even been that rudimentary baseline until the last year or so. Which I actually find staggering. It seems like such an absolute blind spot, which makes me wonder, because it seems to be perhaps connected. I mean, do we have a history of politicians behaving in ways that have perhaps embarrassed them, possibly even the country? possibly related to, you know, this this sort of culture of drinking. Yeah, look, there's a, a long history of politicians being fond of a drink. I sh- should be careful here. Some of my uh, journalistic colleagues, you know, glass houses and all that. Um, but, you know, we think of Malcolm Fraser in 1986 and the losing his pants incident. You think of Bob Hawke through the 70s when he was famously a hard drinker and, and he sort of slept around and what have you. Mark Latham, before he went into politics, when he was the mayor of, I think it was Liverpool, there was that incident with the taxi driver and that kind of dogged him into the federal parliament. Um, And in more recent years too, I mean, I'm a bit loath to start singling out MPs, but yeah, there's a culture of drinking in this place. One, in fact, one I will mention was the um, incident which Tony Abbott, soon after the coalition lost in 07, missed a a fairly important vote in the House because he'd had too much to drink in the members' dining room um, and fell asleep on his couch, essentially, and turned up the next day and apologised to the House. There have been more serious incidents than that. But yeah, there's a long history of it, Sam. And James, I guess just to wrap up, I wanted to ask you about how this might actually impact Barnaby Joyce's career and even the standing of the coalition. We know this comes at potentially a vulnerable time. The Nationals Party is overrepresented in the shadow cabinet, meaning that David Littleproud you know, may need to actually drop one of his MPs from the from the front bench in a in a in a reshuffle, and obviously there's tensions there between Barnaby Joyce and David Littleproud. So, you know, can you walk us through this? Look, this really does damage Barnaby Joyce over the last year or so, uh, probably more. I mean, Barnaby's leadership aspirations or lack thereof is a permanent topic of conversation in the corridors of power in Canberra. Right? Um, he has been there, lost it, come back 
lost it again. You know, he and Little Proud are not particularly close, uh, much in the same way that he and Michael McCormack, who he preceded and then succeeded in the leadership, are not particularly close. I think this hurts him significantly. It, it, it's really hard to see a path back to the leadership for Barnaby Joyce now. Um, I think he wants to stay on the front bench. The conversations we've had in the last few days, I think he probably will stay on the front bench in the short term because it's a bit, in some respects, it's it's safer to have Barnaby in the tent rather than outside the tent, as in sitting on the back bench with more time to ferment trouble. But two questions. Does he keep his spot after the next election, as in on the front bench? I'm not sure. I think at that point, Dutton, or whoever the leader is, would look to rebalance back to um, remove the disproportionate Nationals representation. And the other question is, does Barnaby go round again? Um, To the point I made earlier, he's been here 19 or 20 years. Maybe he decides it's time to pull up stumps. James, we're so lucky to have your perspective on this. You've been covering politics for so long. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure, Sam. Thank you. Today's episode of The Morning Edition was produced by Julia Carcatzel. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. The Morning Edition is a production of The Age and the City Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is The Morning Edition. Thanks for listening.